It's Seamus from Newhoff Media Lafayette, and this is Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great. Season 1, Episode 2, uh, brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we're on it. Arconic is a leader in the production of world-class aluminum products that transform the way we fly, drive, and build. Now, in this episode, uh, we are talking with uh, West Lafayette Mayor John Dennis about the city of West Lafayette, past, present, and future. And, uh, John, first off, thank you for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Stand by. Episode two. Episode two. Yeah, there was a, episode one with some other guy that we'll talk about later. Oh, man. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. We'll get to that everything. part. <laughs> now, just just to forewarn people who are listening to this, uh, John and I go way back. Um, way you know, back. I've, I've been here for 12 years, and I've known John mm-hmm. for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it, actually, when we first met, revolved around running. In fact, for the first, I believe, four times that I ran the Mini Indy in uh, Indianapolis, the uh, half marathon, I would run into John Dennis mm-hmm. at the porta potty. You yep. at the porta potty, me walking by. But that was like, it was yep. seriously like yep. four years in a row, and it was getting a little bit weird. Yeah, but how weird is that? Me coming out of the porta potty, going, "Hey, yeah. how you doing? How's it going to go today?" And uh, we how are, are thinking? <laughs> now uh, we are both still runners, uh, not as good as we yeah. used to be. I will say for the record, though, that you were a much better runner than me when you were my age. Um, yeah. Now we've evened out a little bit, unfortunately, and uh, I have no idea how bad I'm going to be once I get well, up there. Well, but bit. you, you, you the last. I remember one time for sure, but I think the last couple times you blew a wheel. So. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've won a couple times, but yeah. you know we have a we have a bit. Back in the day, you used to smoke my times that I have now. So are you? Uh, uh, running is important part of your life, and oh, also important part of West Lafayette. I mean, mm-hmm. the the trail system in West Lafayette has to be one of the best for running, aside from like a Denver, Colorado, or something like that. But around these areas, mm-hmm. how important is that to to you to have the running trails around? It is. It is one of my many lifelines. You know, I started running in this city probably, Jesus, I'm 62, about 40 years ago, maybe even longer. And back in those days, everything that you did, you shared with a car, even our sidewalk systems within our neighborhoods. A lot of the sidewalk systems were incomplete. A lot of the stuff that, you know, we did that they that, that was done in those years um, for local government were based upon the concepts that were started in the 50s and 60s, which means cars and trucks and connectivity to major arterials and all that stuff. And the runner really wasn't recognized as a person of value when it came to vehicular transportation. Now, obviously, you know, the different kind of signs that said, you know, the right-of-way things and all that were in place, but running really wasn't recognized as um, an opportunity to, to include in the concept of sharing the road. So back in Sonia Marjoram's day is when they first started having the conversations about having an integrated trail system within the city. Um, A lot of the stuff that went on back then, you know, involved uh, finishing up sidewalks in neighborhoods. Uh, Sidewalks are just completely embraced by the folks that live there for kids and strollers, kids on training wheels, kids in small bikes. And then when that jogging thing started happening in the early 70s, that became more of a focal point, too. What we did realize back then, we as a collective in government uh, back in the 70s, was that when you make a sidewalk, it's kind of like a kid that's getting its adult adult's teeth. Um, Sometimes they don't come in straight, and if they do, they don't straight, stay straight for long. So that presented some challenges for folks that would run. Uh, the, the, the freeze and thaw 
Mm-hmm. Um, system that we go through every year would change the height of some of the, bro- the segregated sidewalk bricks, and that would cause people to stumble and fall. And that's when we started looking at what they were doing in, in other cities and states around the country when it came to having some sort of outdoor recreational trail network for people to utilize for all the stuff that we do outside. The second thing is, is we're a big fan of bikes, too. Yep. And you put strollers, bicycles, joggers, walkers, walkers of dogs, walkers of cats, walkers of, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, those sidewalks that in those days were only about four feet wide get very crowded. So the, the realization that there needed to be some really strong infrastructure that, that sort of celebrated pedestrians and the outdoor recreational opportunities and fitness opportunities that jogging and stuff like that provides kind of went off in the minds of mayors all around the country, and that's when the trail system started, specifically here. Um, we didn't have very much in the beginning, and a lot of it started off being paved and then went to, uh, uh, like, gravel and then sometimes even dirt and mud and then back to paved. But when we got here, again, 12 years ago, uh, we really kicked it in high gear because, you know, when the mayor runs, <laughs> I, I can do those close-order trail inspections, you know? It's like, okay, wait a second. I'm on mile seven here, and all of a sudden I run into a tree. What's up with that, you know? So we, we can provide the appropriate amount of instruction and guidance to get some of these things done. And truly, man, you, you really nailed it. When, when people do ask about what are the amenities that you have to offer, when we talk, when we talk, you know, having, you know, oh God, I think we're, uh, I can't remember how many miles of trail we have, but it's, it's, it's getting close to 100 miles of trail. That's a good thing, you know? That is a really good thing, trail and sidewalk, when they connect together. That really empowers people to be able to get out there and do some fun stuff and really get a good kick and exercise in. Now, where were you born at? Are you are you a native, or were you born outside of the outside of the area and came to town? Yeah, my uh, my place of birth was Japan. I really? Was born in Sagamahara. Yeah, Sagamahara, Japan. And it's so cool that you brought that up. Um, we before the world changed, we used to do trips with the chamber, and we would do it with with groups that we would have strong business. Uh, agreements with. And obviously Japan with, with Subaru and sure. with our student population over here is one of the ones that we went to. And it was so funny because everybody would introduce me as a fellow countryman. All the Japanese would introduce <laughs> me, you know, hey, this guy was born in Japan. The Mary West Lafayette's born in Japan. So here he is, you know, back at home. <laughs> and it was hilarious because as a, I could have been, I could be, I guess, even still a citizen of Japan. Um, it's kind of neat when you're trying to recruit businesses, you know, and you kind of get in the fist, my brother, how's it going? What do you think about investing over here? You know, <laughs> and they look at you. It's like, yeah, if you can read me the menu, we'll invest over here. <laughs> <laughs> and can you read the menu? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, you can't read the menu. <laughs> we had um, the calligraphy that they use is just so ornate and so beautiful. Oh, yeah. And my handwriting's horrible. So they wrote my name, you know, with the style, you know, with, with, with in Japanese. And it, it really looks impressive. I'll have to show it to you sometime. So when did uh, you make the, when did you uh, land in the Lafayette and West Lafayette area then? We moved here. My dad, um, he was a career military guy. He flew okay. uh, airplanes in World War II, Korea and Vietnam. Wow. And so we moved here uh, in the early 60s. Uh, back in those days, they were just developing this neighborhood called Barberry Heights. Uh, it was the first neighborhood north of 52. And, you know, dad, having spent most of his adult life living on military bases, decided he wanted to settle into a nice area 
where, you know, they had a nice suburban look with schools and playgrounds and, you know, the houses that have big yards and that kind of stuff. And he also really was excited about having a major university within its proximity as well. Um, but that was kind of twofold. First off, Dad, you know, was really big on making sure we had a university around. But also he was a pilot, and when he retired, he became uh, one of Purdue University, the Purdue Airlines, uh, actually is what it was called at the time. He became one of their pilots. Wow. So that's what attracted us here. And uh, it was kind of cool because um, when I was a little kid, there, where I went to school was called Cumberland. Um, and uh, we played sports against the middle. There was like Cumberland was on the north end. Uh, Birchfield School was in the center. And then Morton School was obviously where we are right now. Mm-hmm. So we would play Morton in basketball. And so when we moved into Morton for the first time, when we were in one of our five homes that we had over the past few years, <laughs> yep. um, I would always tell everybody, I played basketball right here on this court. You know, This is the John Dennis, I can't touch the net court. So. <laughs> <laughs> can you still touch the net? Come on, you can still touch the net, right? I couldn't then, man. I, there was a time when I could actually dunk a, a tennis ball, but, you know, I don't mind jumping. It's the landing that scares me now. Oh, yeah. It's all about the landing now. I still play oh, with man. my son, and I'm like, yeah, let's be careful. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of ice. Dad's just playing horse today. Yeah. Well, and, and the funny thing is that you don't know. I mean, as you age, the aging process is such a sneaker. I mm-hmm. mean, you come in and you think, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. And you can do half of it. But the hard part is the part that you can't do anymore. It's like if I decide it's a really windy, cold day, I'm going to go out and crank a few miles. The miles out, guess what? No problem. Miles back, uh, yeah, I think I need to dial either a cab or 911. This is getting ridiculous. (laughs) The wisdom wisdom kicks in then, you know? So um, let's talk about the police force. Now, you alluded to the fact that this is episode two, and I did talk to Mayor Tony Rozworski on episode Mm -hmm. one. I know that guy. Just to get it out of the way. You know what I mean? Uh, no, he he did a really good job, and he talked about you know we have a very unique situation where the two com- the two towns in our community, the two biggest ones, the mayors were on the police force together. Now he told a few stories, and he, he said lied. that you would have a few more. He did allude to the fact <laughs> that there was some talk about your hairstyle at the time, and also uh, the fight over the radio. So if you'd yep. like to expound upon those on your time with with Tony on the police force, by by all means, go ahead. Yeah, it was it was always I mean. It's always kind of cool because, I mean, you wouldn't believe it now, but Tony and I used to be these young, svelte, you know, 20-year-old sure. you know, police officers that wanted to, you know, save the world. Um, and, and, you know, most police officers have that philosophy in mind. Um, but we sort of had different approaches to it. <laughs> and the thing about me is that, you know, um, like six foot, back in those days, I was about 6'3", and I weighed about 170 pounds. And one of the things about being raised in a military family is that your father generally has a tendency to treat you like a recruit <laughs> at boot camp. So, so I didn't know that heads were meant to grow hair until I was 13, you know? I mean, Dad just kept us all high and tight. Even my sister had short hair, you know? So, so I go away to college. Or no, I started growing my hair when I was in high school, and that didn't go over very well, you know, with my dad. Sure. And so I went away to go to college to get my bachelor's degree, and when I was at college, um, I started growing my hair out. 
And so I did, you know, the typical thing of the 70s. I'd go home for Christmas or go home for Thanksgiving. I'd tuck my hair up under a hat or something so that Dad wouldn't notice it too much because, you know, if he was on a trip, you don't want to be home for a little bit, then he'd have to go back out. So I went away and grew my hair really long. And then I came home one day, and, of course, it didn't go well. So I thought, okay, you know, when I get to be independent, I'm going to do whatever I want with my hair. So I finished my undergrad degree, went out to California, did some work as a safety engineer out there, and came back here, married and with a young daughter, and uh, got on got hired by the Lafayette Police Department. And I was one of the first guys there. But, but well, there was a few more. But I mean, I had a college degree, which was made it very attractive. Sure. So I joined the Lafayette Police Department, and the first words out of my brother's mouth, my dad had passed away by then was that, Johnny, you have to be careful because you're going to have to get a haircut. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, I get it, I get it. <laughs> so I join up, start off, get sent to the police academy, cut what I believe to be my hair in a short haircut, got there and just got pounded by the guys. It's like, what are you doing? you got to cut your hair. You can't touch your collar. can't touch your ears and all that. So I go to their recommended barber and get one of those kind of haircuts that you never want to get a picture of you with. And then go back, finish the academy, and come back to work, and start growing my hair again. And I was assigned on midnight to eight. And Tony, Tony had a, a I think he had worked four years in Texas, and then he joined LPD because he's a Lafayette guy, born yeah. and bra- raised, and you know, great Lafayette guy. And so Tony had the four years of working in Houston, Texas, which is a little bit different than, than Lafayette, Indiana. Sure. And then he comes back, and he sees this long, gangly guy with hair. <laughs> You know, over his ears, over his collar, and like, hey, dude, uh, enforce away, let's go, you know? <laughs> and, so, and so he forever would say, when are you going to get a haircut? You're gonna get... And so then my shift commanders, of course, started following the same suit. Sure. So, and Tony was high and tight. He used, to, he used to come into roll call, and he'd stand next to him, and he goes, oh, this is a real haircut, and he'd bend over. And he literally had a flat top, and it was so short, you could see the top of his head. <laughs> through his hair. And that dude's got hair thicker than carpeting. He does. You know? He does. So, so it's like, you know, and then he got into detectives and he got a little wild because we both went detectives together and I did some undercover work so I got to grow my hair real long. And so he kind of got a little wild and let his hair go a little bit. And trust me, the fact that he wears his hair short is a blessing for us all. <laughs> I'll say no more. <laughs> All right, this is Insider Towns, the podcast uh, brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we are on it. And uh, I want to talk about uh, West Lafayette past, present, and future. So tell us the story of how West Lafayette got going. Well, you know, basically we started out as a neighborhood um, that housed professors for Purdue University. Okay. And, I mean, there's the history of way back when it was a downtown and the, and. The legend is is that the reason why we were named West Lafayette is because there were houses on this side of the Wabash, and Lafayette had already been ordained, and the houses over here were still in a place I think they called Klondike, and historians can challenge me and correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But they somebody wrote the, you know, the postmaster wrote West Lafayette on it so that we get taken across the bridge west of Lafayette. So they know so where that's to take how them. the okay. reference of West Lafayette became, and then as we became a, a bigger smaller town, we went ahead and had it had it sanctioned that way. But for us, I mean, for what for folks that have lived here all their lives, for the most part, um, we have always felt that we are the affiliation of neighborhoods and um, residential areas and parks 
and forests and other things um, because of Purdue University. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's sort of been, you know, where we established our independence. And as Purdue grew as an educational institution, the city of West Lafayette grew as well. Um, and it's always been a really close comparative when, you know, the population of students has generally been reflective of the population of citizenry that we had. Um, and so that, that's what basically crafted our first downtown, which was basically up and down State Street. Uh, back in those days, everything north of what we used to call the 52 Bypass, which is now Sagamore Parkway, was just cornfields. Um, and the, the city itself um, has always had a pretty strong relationship with Lafayette. Um, I think, you know, it's had its highs and its lows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, that that relationship is what has made Greater Lafayette probably one of the top um, both industrial and educational areas in, in the country. I mean, if you look at the ratings, time after time after time, either Lafayette or West Lafayette are ranked in the top ten. And there's something to be said about that. And I'm not just, you know, Pat and Tony and I on the back. It's been going on for quite some time. But the cities themselves have had hot and cold relationships, too, because of some of the relationships between the mayors. Um, I know for a fact that, that Jim Reilly and Sonia Marjoram had a great relationship. Dave Heath and Sonia had a great relationship. Um, and that's about as far back as I can go, because that, that lists about 40 years of history <laughs> there, you know. But, but, I do, but I do know that, that that's always been critically important. And, and for us now, uh, with Tony and I, who love each other like brothers, I, I think it's better than it's ever been. Um, and, and that's something that I really take great pride in because, you know, there's no competitiveness. There's no, you know, doing anything to try and undermine the success of one or the other. Um, it's very supportive, and we do everything we can to encourage development. If there's a development that's not good for West Lafayette, obviously we, we have a tendency towards academic or residential or commercial development. We do have some small industry like Sodman, things that are going up on the West End. But there are things that are just more suited for Lafayette. We tell them straight up, we will do everything we can to help you help get this in Lafayette because we understand what's good for Lafayette it's good for West Lafayette, and the inverse is true also. So, And that kind of relationship is so rare. I did a, um, an interview, I'm not bragging or anything, but I did this thing on MSNBC nice. a couple of months ago. And uh, a, a lot of it was, you know, I was on the air with the mayor of Boston, and it was funny because the, 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 the guy, the mayor of Boston, had challenges just within his own city, within the boroughs of his city, you know. And I'm boasting about having this relationship with our, with, with our sister city or brother city, however you look at it, you know, with Lafayette and with Tiffany New County. And we have a strong reputation of that cooperation, that cooperative spirit throughout the state and in some cases even the country. And he's rolling his eyes going like, man, you're, you're lucky. Uh, you know, it's true. Yes, we are. And that's why when people look to invest here, whether they're investing their personal money to buy a house and bring their kids here to go to schools, which are amazing, or to invest in in bringing a business here, uh, that's one of the first things that they say attracted them to us is the fact that we're all pulling on the same side of the rope. We all believe in having a strong business community and a high quality of life and very, very strong and very, very capable educational systems on both sides of the river. And when you get all that together, it's like, okay, duh, that's not the hardest choice ever, is it? It, and it is a unique situation, and you guys are all friends. I mean, you're friends with all the county commissioners, too. You hang mm-hmm. out with uh, Tracy Brown and all those guys. You guys a lot of yeah. a lot of history kind of grew yep. up working together, and it is a yep. unique situation, and that's one of the reasons why it's such a great place. Now, let's talk – we kind of talked about present now. 
you guys have a lot going on in West Lafayette for the future. So I'm going to give you a moment to go ahead and brag about some of the things that are coming to West Lafayette because you guys have moved a lot of things forward, especially in the last five to six years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm going to go back and then go forward. Um, you know, you get to a point when you're doing these things. I mean, I've, I've never worked in the private sector. You know, I've always worked for government. When I finished my undergrad degree, my first job was with the federal government. Um, so it's, it's, it's the only thing I know. The only thing I know is just how to be frugal with taxpayers' dollars. So when we got here, we did a lot of in-house work. We did a lot of things, cleaning stuff up. We did we fixed stuff. We developed relationships. Uh, we improved our infrastructure. We did things that every you know mayor probably should do if they don't, and probably does do because they should. Um, but that took about four or five years just to get things squared away, to get some of the rough edges off of some of the things that were that were problematic, um, to instill a sense of confidence um, in our neighborhoods and our neighborhood associations. Um, to develop a strong relationship with Purdue, because, again, that ebbed and flowed. Um, so we, we had a lot of real challenging, you know, preliminary work. It's kind of like stretching before you start the marathon. You know exactly sure. what I'm talking about with that. Yep. So we got our stretching exercises done. Then we figured, okay, how hard are we going to run this thing? And we decided that we're going to run it pretty hard. And that required some sensing sessions on the part of the public, which means you go out there and say, okay, hi, I'm John. Uh, I'm your mayor. What do you think? What do you want? What's good? What's bad? What are you indifferent about? And we sort of got some marching orders on how to best grow our city. I mean, we were just, honestly, Seamus, we were just ripe for growth. We had everything right in place, and the timing was right economically. You know, historically, in, in our history, everything was great. So we decided, let's move forward. But one thing that we knew is, like, we can't move forward looking like we look. And we don't have a major corridor. We don't have a place where what could be considered to be our gold mile. So that's when the concept of State, State Street came into, into play. Um, we knew that doing that would be something that would allow for us to truly knock it out of the park. Um, but there was one little thing in the way, and that was the fact that Purdue wasn't in the city. So we worked very closely with the Daniels administration annexed Purdue into the city, which everybody told us. Everybody told us, even poor Sonia. She said, that's not going to happen, John. You're dreaming. Because everybody told us it wouldn't happen, and it did. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Go figure, huh? Yeah. So we went ahead and we got that done, and and then we did the State Street Project. And, you know, not getting overly pedantic, but this it's just it's one of those things that just never happens. And the financial package that we arranged, the way that it was done, the way we established tax rates and tax bases, the way we incentivized businesses, the way we're in a position to work with existing structures to get them to um, either give us area that we could move forward with the project or to allow for us to um, create some unique changes up and down State Street, especially in our urban corridor, um, never would happen again. Uh, the other thing is, is working cooperatively with Purdue. I mean, we originally looked at State Street basically going from the riverfront all the way to Grant Street. And then uh, we decided one day to go ahead and do a presentation to Mitch and his administration. And so we did our dog and pony show. And when it was over, Mitch pulls me aside. He says, uh, I'm pretty impressed by your project. I'm like, wow, thanks a lot. And he actually knew me. Um, well, he knew me when he first came as governor, and I was just a brand-new mayor guy. But then he goes, uh, and as a matter of fact, he said, uh, we'd like to be a part of that. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, bring your checkbook. <laughs> 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 and so, I mean, it was mutually beneficial. You know, they picked up half the ticket, so they paid for all the way from Grant all the way to 231. 
and you can see what an amazing success story that that's been. And and truly, you know, if you look at West Lafayette 15, 20 years ago, it looks nothing like it looks now. And again, I'm not chest thumping. And it's all because there are no politics about it. There's no R's and D's or I's or whatever. Um, there are no turf wars about it. You know, it's not like, well, you know, don't go to Lafayette, come to West Lafayette. Um, there are no challenges of dealing with the diversity of our population base. I mean, we have one of the most diverse populations in the country predicated on our geographic footprint. Yep. Um, it's all based on, you know, talk, it, it's like the world's biggest kumbaya, <laughs> you know? I mean, people just get it, they dig it, they want it to grow, and they want to be a part of it. And as a mayor, you can't ask for anything better than that. That's just, that's just the kind of stuff dreams are made of. And I can't remember where that cliche comes from, but it is. <laughs> Uh, this is Inside Our Towns, the podcast. We're talking with West Lafayette Mayor John Dennis, brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or dries, we are on it. Arconic is a leader of the production of world-class aluminum products that transform the way we fly, drive, and build. One more parting thought from you, mm-hmm. and uh, that is, why do you love your town so much? Sum it up for us. Okay. The reason why is because everything that I've accomplished, whether it be academically, whether it be professionally, whether it be personally, it's because of who I am. It's because of where I'm from. That is perfect. Hey, man, we appreciate it so much for being on the podcast. And you didn't even swear one time, which we were all worried about. Congratulations. I know. I know. Now, wait till the phone goes click and you're going to get a litany. <laughs> yeah. Marine mouth. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not I've, just been, kidding. I've been good for 25 minutes. I know. What are you talking? You're asking so much of me, man. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thank you so much.